Chapter 1, Part 1 of The Metamorphosis, or Golden Ass. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by D. Wyckoff. The Metamorphosis, or Golden Ass, by Apelius. Translated by Thomas Taylor. Chapter 1, Part 1. The Metamorphosis of Apelius. Book the First. In the following Milesian narration, I will insert various fables and charm your benevolent ears with an elegant and pleasing murmur if you will not disdain to look into this Egyptian papyrus written with the delightful subtlety of a nilotic reed, and containing an admirable account of men changed into different forms, and, by certain vicissitudes, again restored to themselves. But who I am, I shall briefly thus unfold. The Attic Midas, the Corinthian Isthmus, and the Spartan Tenorus, happy soils, and which, in more felicitous books, were believed to be eternal, are the ancient originals of my race. There, I mean in Athens, I learnt the first rudiments of Grecian literature. Soon after, as a stranger, I came to Rome, and applied myself to the study of the Roman tongue, which, with great labor, I attained to the knowledge of, without the assistance of a preceptor. Behold, then, I solicit pardon if I should offend the reader by the rude utterance of a foreign language. Indeed, this first attempt of mine to write in the Latin tongue corresponds to the desultory matter of which we have undertaken to treat. We will begin, therefore, to narrate a Grecian fable. Reader, attend, and you will be delighted. I went to Thessaly on business for in that place the foundations of our origin on the maternal side were laid by the illustrious Plutarch, and afterwards by his nephew Sextus, the philosopher, and thus became the source of renown to us. After, therefore, I had passed over the lofty mountains, the slippery valleys, the dewy turf, and the glebous plains, being very weary with riding, for I rode on a Thessalian white horse, who was also very much fatigued, in order that I might shake off my sedentary lassitude by the refreshment of walking, I leaped from my horse, diligently wiped the sweat from his forehead, stroked his ears, drew the reins over his head, and walked him gently, so that the usual and natural aid afforded by the discharge of urine might relieve the inconvenience of weariness. And while he was delighted with his ambulatory breakfast, and in a prone position, passed over the meadows with his mouth inclined towards his side, I joined myself to two companions who were riding a little before me. And while I listened to their conversation, the one laughing said to the other, Desist, and do not enter into any further detail of such absurd and incredible fictions. On hearing this, 
As I was thirsty after novelty, I said, make me a partaker of the narration. Not that I am inquisitive, but one who wishes to know either all, or certainly most things, and by doing so the delightful pleasantness of tales will, at the same time, smooth the asperity of the hill which we are ascending. But he that laughed before at his companion said, That false narration of yours is as true as if someone should assert that by magical incantation rapid rivers might be made to run back to their source, the sea be congealed, the winds blow without spirit, the sun be stopped in his course, the moon drop her foam, the stars be plucked from their spheres, the day be taken away, and the night held back. On hearing this, I said, Do not you who began the narration repent of having done so, or be weary of telling what remains to be told? And turning to the other, But you, said I, whose ears are gross, and whose mind is obstinate, refuse your assent to things which, perhaps, are truly narrated. For indeed you are not aware that through depraved opinions those things are thought to be false, which either appear novel to the hearing, or rare to the sight, or arduous from being beyond the reach of thought, but which, if you a little more accurately explored, you would not only find to be evident, but would perceive may be easily accomplished. At length in the evening, while I was endeavoring, in the company of certain voracious guests, to bite a larger piece of a cake consisting of barley flour and cheese, I was nearly choked through the softness of the gluttonous food sticking in my jaws and impeding the egress of my breath. Nevertheless, Lately at Athens, before the porch called Pasil, I beheld with both my eyes a juggler who swallowed a two-handed horseman's sword that had a very sharp edge, and afterwards, for a small sum of money, buried in his lower viscers a hunting spear, and so as to have that part of it downward which threatens destruction. And lo! the iron head of the spear having passed through the groin and being forced out again through the hinder part of the head, an effeminately beautiful boy was seen dancing on the other extremity of the spear. This boy in dancing turned and twisted himself as if he had been without nerves and bone to the admiration of all that were present so that you would have said it was the noble serpent which adheres with slippery embraces to the half-amputated branches of the knotted staff of the medical god. But I entreat you, said I to him who began the tale, to continue it. I alone will give credit to your narration, and will treat you with a dinner at the first inn at which we arrive. This shall be your reward. To which he replied, I take in good part what you promise, and will proceed with my narration. But prior to this, I will swear to you by this Son, the all-seeing God, that what I shall relate is true. 
nor will you any longer doubt that it is so if you go to the next city which is hypata for there the things which were openly transacted are everywhere divulged but that you may first know who i am from what race i am descended and in quest of what gain i am now going here i am of aegina and am traveling through thessaly atola beatus for the purpose of procuring honey cheese and other articles of traffic of the like kind having found therefore that in hypata which is the principal city of all thessaly new cheese of an excellent flavor was to be sold for a very reasonable price i hastily betook myself to that place in order to buy the whole of it as it often happens however i came in an evil hour and was frustrated of my hopes of gain for one lupus a great purveyor had bought all of it the day before being weary therefore through an inefficious celerity i then went the evening commencing to the public baths when lo i beheld my companion socrates sitting on the ground half covered with a torn and coarse mantle and who appeared to be almost another person he was so deformed by paleness and miserable leanness for he resembled one of those who being reduced to the extremity of distress are compelled to beg in the streets hence though he had been my guest and was well known to me yet i approached him with a dubious mind alas my socrates i said what is the meaning of this what a figure what crime have you committed great lamentation and weeping are made for you at home tutors are given to your children by a decree of the provincial magistrate your wife having performed the duties which are due to the dead and being deformed by grief and long-continued sorrow so that she had almost lost her sight through excessive weeping has been compelled by her parents to exhilarate herself by the joys of a new marriage but here you present yourself to the view the resemblance of some wicked ghost to our great disgrace to this he replied means you are ignorant of the slippery turnings and windings the unstable incursions and the reciprocal vicissitudes of fortune and immediately after he had thus spoken he covered his face which had been for some time red through shame with his ragged and coarse mantle so that the rest of his body from his navel downward was rendered naked but i not enduring to behold such a miserable spectacle of infelicity extended my hand to him that i might help him to rise from the ground he however with his head covered as it was said suffer oh suffer fortune still longer to enjoy the trophy which she has suspended i have acted in such a way that this must follow and at the same time i put off one of my two old garments and speedily clothed shall i say or covered him immediately after i brought him to a bath anointed and wiped him 
and laboriously rubbed off the enormous filth with which he was defiled. Having also well attended to him, and being weary myself, I supported him, who was fatigued with great difficulty, and brought him to my inn, where I refreshed him with a bed, satisfied him with food, mitigated his sorrows with wine, and soothed him by fabulous narrations. And now our conversation and jests tended to hilarity, and we were not only facetious, but noisy, when he, painfully and profoundly sighing, and striking his forehead with his indignant right hand, exclaimed as follows, Miserable creature that I am, said he, who, while I was intent on gratifying myself with the sufficiently celebrated spectacle of gladiators, have fallen into these calamities. For as you well know, when I went to Macedonia for the sake of gain, I was there detained for the space of ten months, on my return from thence enriched by merchandise, and a little before I came to Larissa, in order to see the above-mentioned spectacle, I was attacked by a band of most desperate robbers in a certain devious and winding alley, from whom, however, after having been plundered by them of all my property, I at length escaped. And being through this reduced to extreme distress, I betook myself to a certain woman that sold wine, whose name was Moreau, and who, though old, was very pleasant and agreeable, and to her I unfolded the causes of my long peregrination, of my anxiety to return home, and of my being plundered of my property on that day. And while I, miserable man, narrated such particulars as I remembered, she, beginning to treat me very humanely, supplied me with an agreeable and gratuitous supper, and afterwards received me to her bed through the instigation of lust. At the same time also that I, unhappy man, lay with her, I contracted a lasting pestilence, a most baneful love, from only being once connected with her, and even gave her those ragged garments which the humane robbers had left me to cover my nakedness. I likewise presented her with the little gain which I obtained by making the short garments of soldiers while I was yet in a good condition of body, and thus at length this good wife and ill fortune reduced me to the naked state in which you just now saw me. You indeed, said I, deserve to suffer the most severe of ills, if yet there is anything more extreme than that which is last, who have preferred venereal pleasure and a wrinkled harlot to your own house and children. But he, raising the finger next to the thumb to his mouth, and being struck with astonishment, be silent, said he, be silent, and looking around to see whether he might speak with safety. Cease, said he, to revile a divine woman, lest you injure yourself by an intemperate tongue. Why so, said I, what kind of woman is this powerful and royal tavern-keeper? He replied, 
she is a divine sorceress, and is able to draw down the heavens, to elevate the earth, to restrain fountains, to dissolve mountains, to place on high the shades of the dead, to thrust down the gods, extinguish the stars, and to illuminate Tartarus itself. I beseech you, said I, take away this tragic tapestry, roll up the theatric curtain, and speak in a familiar language. Do you wish, said he, to hear one or two or many of her deeds? For she is capable not only of making her fellow citizens to love her to their own destruction, but the Indians also, the inhabitants of both the Ethiopias, and even the Antichthenes themselves are only the leaves, as it were, of her art, and trifling examples of her skill. Here, however, what she accomplished in the presence of many spectators. She changed by one word only her lover into a beaver, who had by force debauched another woman, because that beast, fearing lest it should be taken, frees itself from the hunter that pursues it by the abscission of its own testicles, in order that the same thing might happen to her lover in consequence of his having been connected with another female. She likewise changed into a frog, an innkeeper, who was her neighbor, and of whom she was on that account envious, and now that old man, swimming in a tub of his own wine, and merged in the dregs of it, calls on his ancient guests with a hoarse and courteously croaking voice. She likewise changed one of the advocates of the court, because he had declaimed against her, into a ram, and now that ram pleads causes. The same sorceress also condemned to perpetual pregnancy the wife of her lover, who was now a parturient, by closing her womb, and retarding the egress of the infant, because she had reviled her somewhat severely. And according to the computation of all men, the belly of the miserable woman has been distended for the space of eight years, as if she were about to be delivered of an elephant. As this unfortunate woman, however, and many others, had been frequently injured by her arts, the public indignation was excited against her, and it was decreed that on the following day she should be severely punished by being stoned to death. But she frustrated this design by the power of her enchantments, and as Medea, having obtained by entreaty from Creon the space of one day prior to her departure, burnt the whole of his palace and also his daughter, together with the old man, with coronal flames, or flames at the top of the head. Thus, likewise, this sorceress, having performed certain deadly imprecations in a ditch, as she herself lately told me, enclosed all the inhabitants of the town in their own houses, by so great a power of incantations, that, for the space of two whole days, neither the bars of the doors could be broken, nor the grates be opened, nor the walls themselves be dug through, 
until, by mutual consent, the people unanimously exclaimed, and swore in the most sacred manner, that they would not offer any violence to her, and would afford her salutary assistance if any person should attempt to injure her. Being therefore after this manner appeased, she liberated the whole city. At midnight, however, she conveyed the author of this conspiracy with all his house, with the walls, the ground, and the foundation, closed as it was, into another city, distant from thence a hundred miles, and situated on the summit of a lofty mountain, in consequence of which it was deprived of water, because, likewise, the houses of the inhabitants were built so near to each other that they did not afford any room to this newcomer, she threw the house before the gate of the city and departed. You narrate, said I, stupendous things, my Socrates, and such as are no less cruel than wonderful. And in the last place you have excited in me no small solicitude, or rather fear, for you have thrown at me not a little sharp stone, but a spear, lest that old woman, employing in a similar manner the assistance of some demon, should know the whole of our present conversation. Let us, therefore, quickly betake ourselves to rest, and when we have lightened our lassitude by the refreshment of sleep, fly from hence as far as we can before the dawn of day." While I was yet persuading the good man Socrates thus to act, he, being oppressed with the unusual intoxication and lassitude, snored loudly. But I, after I had closed the door, secured it with bars, and placed my bed against the hinges of it, betook myself to rest. And at first, indeed, I remained for a short time awake through fear, but afterwards I closed my eyes a little about midnight. I was scarcely, however, asleep when the doors were suddenly opened with a force too great to induce anyone to believe that this was effected by thieves, and besides this, the doors were hurled to the ground, the hinges being entirely broken and torn off. The bed, too, which was very short, deprived of one foot, and rotten, was thrown down with great violence, and falling so as to be reversed, covered and concealed me, who was rolled in it, and shaken off the bedstead to the ground. Then I perceived that certain affectations of the mind were naturally excited by contrary causes, for as tears frequently proceed from joy, Thus also, in that extreme fear, I could not refrain from laughing, on perceiving myself, from being Aristomenes, made a tortoise. And while prostrate on the floor, and looking obliquely, I wait for the issue of this affair, being protected by the situation of the bed, I saw two women, of an advanced age, one of whom carried a lighted lamp, but the other a sponge and a drawn sword. With these accoutrements they surrounded Socrates, who slept profoundly. End of chapter 1, part 1